Hello to all pioneers, visionaries, and innovators. Welcome to the first ever Passioners Podcast. I'm your host, Janice King. In this podcast, the team and I bring you the stories of some of the most innovative and inspiring entrepreneurs in different sectors and stages of business. Who are we? We are college students, podcasting to meet cool people and create cool content. Let me introduce you to the team. Mike Garcia, Fernando Garcia, and I are co-hosts of the podcast. We are in charge of researching, interviewing, editing, and recording each of our episodes. Claire Hems is in charge of our Instagram page. Follow us at Passioners Podcast to see behind the scene of how we create each of our episodes, as well as photos of our interviewees and their work. Lana Hatsumanovic draws all of our arts, including the main art and all of the episode arts. Go see your amazing work at our website, passionerspodcast.com. If you have any companies or entrepreneurs that you would like us to reach out to, send us an email to passionerspodcast at gmail.com. We actually respond. <laughs> and please follow and rate us. They're like a virtual pat on the shoulder for us. And now let's get into today's episode. Minu, a fintech company based in Mexico City, Mexico, were founded by Nima Porchevs, Rafa Niel, and Paolo Rizzi. However, none of them were born and raised in Mexico. Mr. Porchevs is Iranian, Mr. Niel is Spanish, and Mr. Rizzi is Italian nationality. This diversity is one of the strengths of the company, as they have diverse perspectives on how different countries' financial systems work. Mr. Rizzi, the chief technology officer at Minu, whom I had the pleasure to interview, had actually lived in seven different countries in his life. In 2007, when he decided to move from Spain to Mexico, he found many things that were odd to him. Unlike Europe, in Mexico, employees are paid on a bi-weekly instead of a monthly basis. However, because people don't trust the banking system, Mexico's economy is highly cash-dependent. People don't like to keep their money in the bank. Instead, they try to cash out all of their money when their paychecks are available. In those specific days, to the ATM, you would see long queues. And I was saying, wow, are they, you know, are they giving for free something or what's happening over there? You know, it was really strange to me. So the point is that uh, uh, Mexican people, the economy of Mexico, it's uh, a lot based into the uh, uh, cash transaction. It is not surprising why people have lost trust in the banking system. In Mexico, the minimum mortgage rate is about 9%, and it goes as high as 15%. This was a complete shock for Mr. Rizzi, because in Italy, a percentage of the credit that goes over the 9% is illegal, or in another word, usuri. Usuri law prohibits the practice of charging above the 9% maximum interest rate. The average mortgage interest rate in Italy is about 1 to 2%. However, in Mexico, it was normal to receive 12 to 15% mortgage interest rate. But then things get even worse. If eventually you are in an economical problem and you want just a credit to solve your finance, you can get uh, loans with uh, a 60, a 200%. I saw some of 500, 600%. It's crazy. Adding to this, lack of financial education in Mexico is a huge problem. 
people normally uh, are used to spend more than what they earn. So that is not really education. For example, sometimes people, I, I hear a lot of jokes also about that. So when it, uh, when it comes your quincena, you know, the, the day of this uh, half of the month when they pay you, uh, normally they, they can spend eventually everything in a night out, you know, taking some beers and a shot of tequila. In 2015, Mr. Porchev and Mr. Niel worked together in a bank. During their time there, they successfully led a project to launch the first mobile-only bank in Mexico. However, even after work, they continued to talk about different ways they can improve the banking system in Mexico. And they started to brainstorm ideas on ways they can improve the financial health of Mexican employees. In an interview, Mr. Porchev stated, 75% of Mexicans live from paycheck to paycheck, with no savings for contingencies. 33% get loans from family, friends, or institutions to cover their recurring expenses. And 71% recognize that their largest source of stress is financial worries. However, the current options are complex, inadequate, and expensive, and promote a cycle of indebtedness that favors poverty. And from this realization, the fintech Minu company was born. Minu's goal is to alleviate employees' lack of liquidity by offering them instant access to their earned wages so they don't have to wait for payday. If emergency situations arise, they don't have to borrow money from other people or use credit cards with a high interest rate, but they will have access to the money that they have earned. As employees, the money we earn every day... By law, uh, we own it because, I don't know, if I already worked... Uh, five days with my employee, uh, those five days legally are mine. So why do I have to wait uh, the end of the month? If I need it, just let me take my app about the company, whatever, and just, just uh, let's transfer to my, to my bank account and let's use it because it's mine. And uh, I don't have to fall in this situation that eventually I have to ask to somebody else those money. However, when the company partners with Minu and employees have access to Minu's service, they will realize that Minu does not give access to 100% of their pay before their actual payday. This is intentional. While Minu wants to provide access to liquidity, they also want to encourage employees to have financial responsibilities. We want also that when you get your paycheck, you get something in your hands. So normally we give access to the 50% of this so that if you have any emergency, you can cover those emergencies. Minu's service is financially accessible to both the companies as well as the actual employees using the service. There is no contract fee when a company partners with Minu. For employees, Minu charges a fixed withdrawal fee of $1.80, regardless of the amount they're withdrawing, similar to an ATM fee. In addition, Minu provides employees with financial education, free of charge. Uh, in the package that normally we offer to the companies, uh, we do also, uh, they are called uh, talleres uh, de finanza, so like uh, financial wellness courses, uh, where we explain, you know, we go uh, physically, well, before the COVID, of course, uh, now we are organizing a lot of webinars, etc., where we try to to give a lot of tips and information about how to uh, make a better use of uh, uh, their personal economies. 
employees don't need to open a new bank account or card. Whatever they earn that day is automatically available to them through the Minu app using the same payroll account. And for each paycheck, the balance is cleared. For their paycheck, they get whatever they earn for 15 days minus the money they took out through Minu before their payday. It's a win-win and win for Minu employers and employees. Minu earns a small fee every time employees withdraw money. For employers, having the flexible option provided by Minu improves their talent attraction, retention, productivity, and satisfaction. Minu service does not have a cost for employers, and there's no change to their payroll timing and processes. It is integrated with the payroll tool, which automates the data transfer so that no additional administrative work is generated. Employees have a peace of mind knowing that funds are immediately available to them when needed. And they don't have to fall into a cycle of debt if they simply need an emergency fund before their payday. Minu service is already adopted by 50 companies. Minu's app currently has 6,000 users and aims to finish 2020 with 40,000 users and 142,000 users by the end of 2021 through strategic alliances with partners such as Aidenred, the largest employee card player in Mexico with access to 4.5 million users. In 2019, Minu raised one of the largest seed rounds in Mexico's history of $6.5 million. When you get to the right project with the right people, right money in the right moment, so I think that that helped a lot. My direct team about of developers is uh, composed of 15 people. So today, after one year and a half, which we started in five, today we are about 40 people. I love them because the team is uh, very smart and very senior about uh, you know each of them for what is in charge of doing. Since it is such a fast-growing fintech company, I thought Mr. Reese's job as a chief technology officer would be to code daily, to fix bugs, improve services, etc. But I found out that's actually not the case. So what would you say your daily life looks like? Uh, being calls all the time. So I mean, I start uh, my day at uh, 8, 8.30, normally all the days. Uh, by 30, I'm in call with the, the whole of my team, everyone, just because I like to be and let feel my presence. So we simply double check really quick. It's a call about 15 minutes. And then after that, uh, there is a long series of other calls about coordinating tasks and coordinating strategic issues or uh, meeting with uh, the other virtually, of course, meeting with the other co-founders and talk about, uh, uh, you know, the vision of, uh, oh, uh, we must evolve our product. So right now it's much more complex, but mainly I would say that uh, as a co-founder and CTO, one of the biggest rules uh, that uh, I have, and uh, I would say most of those people that are in my rule should have, is to cheer up a lot your team, uh, give them a lot of space, trust into them, um, motivate a lot them. So every day there is at least one of two one-to-one -one calls where, you know, uh, I'm, uh, uh, me and my, my, my other co-founders, we really care about them. 
Mr. Reese's life now is composed of much more responsibilities than simply having the passion for technology. However, when he first became interested in software engineering, that was all he needed. When he was 10 years old, he wrote a simple computer program for his dad, who was a professor because he was jealous of the time that his dad was spending at work instead of hanging out with him. The computer program that he wrote automatizes the repetitive calculation that his dad was doing and saved his dad a lot of time to hang out more with him. And his passion for technology and thirst for knowledge continued throughout his teenage years. Then when Mr. Rizzi was 19 years old, he enrolled in a university to study software engineering. Did you end up finishing your college education? I mean, if you started coding since 10 years old, I am sure you are way ahead of your classmates. Never did it. I mean, I never had that pleasure. But it's, uh, it, it's funny because uh, just in that first period when uh, I had to be following the, you know, the college, the university, uh, I've been do giving several courses for masters to people that already had their degree as a teacher, you know, expert in the sector. So, I mean, when you talk about technology, uh, it's something different. It's uh, a look based about uh, the passion that you have with, uh, uh, you know, this falling in love with this matrix, if you want to call it, you know, because normally if you think something, something that uh, it's horrible about my job is that every day it comes out uh, something new about a new library, a new system, a new... So if you want to be always up to date, it's really frustrating. The more if you love it, you want to be always and try to do something about machine learning, intelligent, artificial intelligence, etc. So you never stop to eat all the stuff. So if you go to the university, it's also really difficult to find, uh, I mean, there are so many, so great, of course, I have no doubt, but it's also very difficult to find something that is uh, 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 really up, up to date to the latest, because every day it's, uh, there, there's something new. During the first six months Mr. Rizzi was enrolled in a university, he met a group of four friends, and together they started a company called Dadanet. Uh, with a group of other four friends, uh, we founded a company which actually was an uh, ESP, Internet Service Provider. And uh, what we were doing, we were mainly at the beginning providing connectivity. And uh, just when we started, it was a boom because we, you know, Internet was, was just at the beginning. We are talking about 1998. Uh, which also coding was uh, at the beginning, of course. When we started, uh, me personally, I was uh, from the beginning putting myself, my hands on uh, coding and uh, always with the vision about, uh, okay, how we can automatize process, you know, uh, as usual, like I did with my father. So we started uh, coding uh, uh, some, uh, innovative uh, uh, platform of e-commerce and uh, actually when uh, we did some of those platform uh, ended uh, it was a great great result. Dadanet's e-commerce platform started to have big clients like the soccer team AC Milan, Vatican and national banks 
and it became one of the few internet companies listed on the Italian stock exchange at that time. From one year to another, from nine people, we became over 100 people. Most of them, we were developers. So I mean, 100 people in a company where you have salespeople and marketing, etc. I mean, it's okay. When you are 100 and eventually 90 of them are all developers, you can do magic, you know, yeah, so much. Unfortunately, with the dot-com bubble, in 2001, the company had to close. And uh, you can imagine for all of us, still now that I'm thinking it was a shock because it's like uh, quitting as a baby that uh, we have, you know, it born with us and was growing with us and giving us all that emotions because we're just 19 years old, well, different ages, and going to the stock market and doing, have all this visibility worldwide because we had several proposals also from big companies. So when that company we had to close, uh, for several reasons, uh, my mm, my delusion was so big that uh, I decided to go out from Italy. Literally, I mean, I said also because um, one of the main reasons that uh, I see why it happened, they are given to the bad Italian system. So this big delusion, uh, I decided to go abroad. And then I started traveling and uh, I stayed, uh, as I told you, I lived in seven different countries where almost in every country where I've been, I started a new company. Me move to one company to another. If I see some interesting challenge, it's uh, from one week to another. It's just the timing to pack everything and move and then uh, just accept the new, the new venture. And, uh, and well, actually here, I'm uh, really happy to the decision I took. More of all for what I'm doing now with Nino, and actually also with uh, a great and lovely family that uh, keep my root here. Before we end the interview for today, what is one thing that you would tell your 20-year-old self? Just to my to any 20-year-old guy that is there outside. No, no, no. To your 20-year-old self. Ah, to myself, uh, wow, uh, just keep going and doing things as you are doing because I'm so happy about what it has been doing, uh, what I've been doing in, in those past years and uh, actually I don't regret anything about it, really happy. Maybe, maybe. Maybe there is just one thing, which is uh, uh, one of the latest, you know, during your uh, career, there are so many things that can motivate yourself, you know? And so many things, many times, uh, for example, people are afraid to, uh, I don't know, for example, quit their job and start a new business, etc. And uh, sometimes in your life, you try to posticipate uh, big goals, that, for example, to me, one, not one, the biggest has been, uh, is my daughter, for example. So maybe one of the suggestions I would give to that uh, young guy of 20 is don't wait that late to discover the real love. 
because it's something amazing. So real love as in? Having a baby, uh, not waiting uh, uh, that long because, well, I'm 30 right now and uh, I have an amazing daughter of three years old just this last week. And uh, I will just suggest myself to eventually, eventually try to anticipate that moment, let's say for about 10 years to enjoy even more those amazing moments that I'm living right now, because they are the top, I would say. <laughs> Sorry, did you say you're currently 30 years old or 40 years old? Just to make sure I heard it right. <laughs> 40, 40. So that's why maybe uh, at 30 would, be, would have been a better decision, but well, we're never late. <laughs> The general impression I got during this interview was how excited Mr. Rizzi became when he started talking about Minus mission, his previous work experiences, and more generally about technology, and even more generally just about life. He's currently 40 years old, but I feel like I got a glimpse of his 10-year-old self when he built that first computer program for his dad. Just pure excitement, passion, and love for what he does. To learn more about Mr. Rizzi and other entrepreneurs we will interview in this podcast and to see behind the scenes of how we create each of our episodes, follow our Instagram at Passioners Podcast. Big thank you to Mr. Paolo Rizzi for coming to our show today. We use original music by Chiazo Ajila. Go check out our work at our website, chiazo.github.io. Other music we have used are listed on our website at passionerspodcast.com. Stay tuned for the next week episode by Mike about a GovTech company called O-City, based in Mexico City, Mexico. Passioner's podcast tells the story of entrepreneurs and their journeys. I'm Janice Kang. Thanks for listening.